Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, White Sox fans, Brett Valentini. I'm lucky enough to host Southside Sox on the Farm. It's a podcast devoted to the minor leagues. The guy is usually with me. He's with me again. It's Darren yeah, Black. It's my nice. best friend in the whole wide world, Darren <laughs> Black. Welcome. Welcome back, Darren. Yeah, I mean, it's Monday. I'm here every <laughs> night besides like a couple, but. Yeah, I got to say, all right, apologies in order. Uh, this is uh, Southside Sox. On the Farm Podcast, I think it's number 13. And I think that means that there's been a skip in the the Darren Black uh, resume. And that's because number 12, we sort of squeezed in a little at long last, not Venus Mm -hmm. Victor, but Dan Victor. He gave us a little bit of a take (laughs) on his draft review, talked a little Kannapolis. Uh, It was a fun talk. I hope we have that again with Dan. And maybe even one day, all three of us will get together. But I think during that podcast, Darren, at some point, I think I think I think maybe I fired you. I don't know why. I yeah. think it was rash. It was rash. I, uh, but you're you're not you're not fired. I think that was just a. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what happened. But uh, again, as long as I keep oh. calling you on Mondays and you're there, you yeah. pick up. No. We're good. I retired. I retired that day and came <laughs> back the next or something. I don't know. An excellent segue as we go through the system. We're going to start at the top with a little bit of an eye, uh, because that's a, sort of the theme of what you put together for the weekly uh, MVP piece for the minor leagues, uh, which is running along with this podcast. Um, and the theme is, with at least with sort of an eye to the trade deadline, even though time is running short. Um, and we're going to start in uh, Charlotte, and we're going to talk about a guy who probably has managed to have no trade value now, and a guy who 
<laughs> better have trade value because we're not sure what to do with them. Otherwise, let's start with your mean. You had sort of an interesting take on what you wrote. And I guess just give me a little reaction to what happened uh, last week. I don't think any of us really understand it. But uh, what was your take on your mean Mercedes? Yeah, no, I don't. <clears throat> I mean, I don't really know what happened. I mean, he like he didn't get hit a hit in his first two at bats and then left the game and then said he was retired after. So I don't know if um, I, I'm pretty sure Wes Helms is the manager of Charlotte. I don't know if he had a tiff with him or if he's just mad about the whole situation of being back in Charlotte. But yeah, if he, if he wanted to go play for another team, he basically tanked that this week because <laughs> he's not what, what team is going to want a, 28 year old catcher who may or may not be able to hit like he had a fantastic month then he had an equally as bad month compared to that fantastic one with I think it was like a 200 WRC plus and then went all the way down to 18 like pretty polar opposite Um, and then also who can't really catch um, but obviously he still has a good arm maybe if you could put him in the outfield maybe you could work out something there but he's not that quick Um, but now, like, why would I don't I don't see why a team would want him or trust him because if you're gonna trade for him to be in your major league club and then he doesn't work out or maybe he just has like a couple, you know, weeks stretch of a slump and then he has options and you send him down because he has options and then you know, expect him to <laughs> stay <and> around. <laughs> yeah, like he he's in that zone of this is just kind of who he is and yeah. I mean it's the Sox are sending down pretty good hitters right now. Jake Berger just got sent down. He had been going through a bit of a slump and maybe it's better that he's in Charlotte to play every day, but that's just where the Sox are. Like when Luis Robert comes back, I don't know. Like, I don't know who they're going to send down. Probably Gavin Sheets, but maybe Danny Mendick. I don't know. There's just a, there's a roster glut right now. Maybe that could fix itself uh, after the deadline, but we'll find out next Monday. I guess so. Um, yeah, at this point, you think you mean at best is a guy who like maybe a team, I don't want to say takes him off the White Sox hands, but sort of like he's not the main piece, but okay, as a guy who might fill out the seat, like uh, almost an expiring contract guy where, all right, maybe we can plug him in at DH in an yeah. American League team and listen, what the heck, we're not playing like Texas. Yeah, we're not playing for anything. Let's let's yeah. throw him out there. But yeah, really, he's reduced it to like nothing. Yeah, it's best for both parties, probably if they're if your means playing for a different organization next year, it seems like anyway, at this point. Um, but he probably could have hastened the process a bit yeah. if he just kind of got through the next week or whatever he was kind of looking for with his retirement, if mm-hmm. whatever we're going to call it mm-hmm. that he did on Monday. Yeah, and it makes you wonder, I mean, he might really be on his own. I know he he shoulders a lot of burden, like many uh, players yeah, uh, of his ilk shoulders a big burden for his family. I don't know what sort of advice he gets. I know there's been a couple maybe family members who sort of defended him uh, as this thing has been going on. But in terms of his counsel, even from teammates, you'd think that there could be counsel and, and, and whether he's not listening to it or maybe he's just he's not asking for it. He's not getting it because you would think that I mean, this this stuff isn't new. I mean, this, he's, his, his situation no. is fairly unique in that he had this unbelievable, I mean, you know, he's an outlier to a degree, but again, it's not unheard of. I mean, there, yeah. there have been these, these, you know, there've been phenoms, even older phenoms. I mean, what Merrifield with the Royals right now, he came up pretty late. Um, obviously a much different player can do a bit more things, right. but like he took a long time to get there. And your mean Mercedes has been a professional baseball player for a decade, I think. 
uh, at least the early 2010s. Mm -hmm. um, but he just, I don't know. It's probably frustrating from going from like saving the team <laughs> at an awful point when yeah. Eloy went down and everyone else was kind of not hitting to then being <laughs> the guy that couldn't hit and then getting optioned for a better guy um, at various things. Um, but he's just, he took advantage of injuries and then another one happened and then he went down. And then yeah. that's just, I mean, that's just baseball. Um, I, I don't think he's 28. I wouldn't, I wouldn't really want a 28-year-old that's just going to retire or whatever, <laughs> like mentoring your guys coming up. Yeah. I don't know if that would be great because he's also on the same team as Jake Berger and what he's gone through with like two yeah. injuries, he could have had an actual reason to retire because uh, yeah. just too hard to come back from that. And then Berger did and look what he did. Yeah. And now he's back down and I'm sure he'll be back up. It's yeah. just kind of where the, both of those guys are at. They're, Quadruple A guys. Yeah. That's what uh, they that's what they are. Uh the other guy you uh acknowledged who should be on the the tip of Rakan's tongue in terms of trying to deal, a guy who has been long awaited to get to Charlotte. We were suspicious <laughs> about the motivations of him not even getting to Charlotte. And then when he did, he basically has has not missed a beat from his great season in Birmingham. He now has, I believe, a career professional high in Homers. Uh, and that's mm -hmm. Micro Adolfo. Uh, it's, it's, it's not about talking about what he's doing and how well he's mashing and him versus your mean. It really is. He pretty much has to go somewhere. What, but, but Darren, what I want to ask you is if he, if he doesn't, and it doesn't seem like there's a whole <laughs> bunch of trades being juggled right now by Rick Hahn, uh, what are the white Sox left to do is, is he a guy who just would end up being outright, uh, he would get his free agency. Uh, the, the White Sox pretty much have to put him on the active roster next year. Uh, re refresh me at where they're yeah. at with Mike. So this year is his last. So he's been on the 40 man for uh, this is the third season. You get three options. They used that last option, that last year of option. Uh, when, when you do the cuts in spring training, you option people down. And so Micah was optioned. That was his third one. So now he doesn't have any more options left for the next season. Um, I don't know if the rule five rules are kind of weird in my head and I don't know if you would qualify for rule five, but basically what it comes down to is he has to be on the active, uh, 26 man roster come next year in order to be on the white Sox. Because if you option him again, it's actually a DFA. And if you DFA him, you can either trade him during like some like week or 10 day span. Um, or he's just outrighted to Charlotte. I'm guessing a team would at least claim him um, if no one traded for him, uh, if that were to happen in 2022. Uh, but I'm, it's probably much easier to trade him now uh, just because he's still in the minors. Right. Maybe uh, Baltimore Orioles or Texas Rangers or whomever is doing poorly. Uh, Detroit Tigers, Kansas City Royals, there's a bunch of teams. Uh, they can kind of keep him in the minors then and then actually keep them on the major league roster right. next year because they don't really have good players. Right. Obviously the Sox have too many outfielders mm -hmm. or faux outfielders, whichever ones you want to call them. There's too many guys in his spot. So you've got to find out where that is. Maybe that doesn't help his trade value right now because every team obviously knows that uh, he's kind of in a roster crunch right now, but he would should be one of the top guys that again dealt 
um, in any kind of scenario because he's the most in limbo player of the top prospects they have. They don't have a lot of control left. Yeah, re- realistically, as much as we love the story, as much as we love him being healthy and doing what we hope to do maybe even a few years earlier, there's mm-hmm. really no path to him remaining with the White Sox. Best case scenario is next year he goes crazy in spring training. He does somehow make the team because probably also of injury because the team should in theory be loaded in the outfield already. And then Mm -hmm. somehow never, never pauses enough for Mm -hmm. him to ever be considered sent down. Like basically a Luis Robert, um, you know, in right field, uh, which is not, I guess it's not impossible, but that the percentage, the likelihood of that's what a couple percent. It's, it's just not very realistic that punting this to next spring is going to have any different outcome. It's essentially, it would essentially be a rule five, uh, pick up for another team by claiming them at DFA. They're going to have, they're going to have to keep them as well on their roster, but if they're yeah. claiming them, they're going to want them on their roster. And it is going to be a, yeah. a Pittsburgh or I don't know, Kansas city or, or whoever. So the, the sacks are really not by necessarily any fault of their own. They just had to wait long enough for this guy to even become mm-hmm. someone we're talking about. Oh no, we may lose him. No, yeah. um, but it just, the way the timings worked out with him uh, because they probably had to put him on the 40 man when they did, uh, it's just, it's not looking great for him really ever getting to this outside. Yeah, no, he's just, he's just at an odd spot because Adam Engel is actually kind of good. And then the Eloy injury forced Andrew Vaughn out into left. And he's obviously, we know he's a good hitter, but he's pretty fine out there in left. So it's just, uh, it's a good problem to have. They have too many good players or potentially good players. And I, I don't really remember the last time I've been able to say that for the Sox, but they've had so many <laughs> players that they had to get rid of one that would kind of look good. Yeah, and it hasn't helped the fact that some of these spontaneous pickups deciding to claim uh, or sign Billy Hamilton like early in spring training yeah. has like sort of mm-hmm. worked out. And Brian Goodwin mm-hmm. has like sort of worked out. Sort of worked out. Nessus, it hasn't really helped, you know, even not saying Mike Rodolfo would, would be in their spot, but that's one guy, one, one or two players would be out of the way. Um, you know, or, or maybe if Andrew Vaughn doesn't work out in left or if Gavin Sheets can't do it in right uh, mm-hmm. or if Eloy Jimenez is out the whole year. I mean, he, he's back. That's yeah. another guy who's in Micah's, away and you know it is sort of a shame okay uh, darren let's go down to double a we're going to work our way down and next the the theme of these next couple and we're going to bridge the break on this as well uh our guys who are mvps and what i want to know taylor varnell just got called up to birmingham sort of sort of like okay it's about time he's an older guy i think he's 26 he's an older guy he's done he's done great at high a his first start at birmingham is is what you would have hoped for uh, pretty much all you would have hoped for He's an older guy. What I'm asking you is, at what point do we not say, well, he's an older guy, he's not a prospect? If, obviously, if he keeps pitching great, at some point he ekes his way into the, into the picture. How much does he have to do for him to go from a guy who's like, you roll your eyes on like, well, yeah, okay, that's great, to, hey, maybe he could actually pitch for the White Sox? Yeah, so I don't know if Dan Victor is not going to like me saying this because <laughs> I know he loves Taylor Varnell. But I, I am not probably never going to be a guy that's going to be like, yeah, I, I think Taylor Varnell is going to be in a, in a starting rotation or even in a bullpen. Okay. Um, he, he is older, and though he is older, and obviously we didn't have a season last year, so he hasn't uh, take away that year like a normal person. Um, but he was drafted relatively recently. He's got a mid-90s fastball. 
just the thing that that's the problem with him is that he doesn't really like his strikeout numbers, which is what I usually look at when I, if I want to know a pitcher is doing really well, especially if one's older and playing in high A or double A, one of the kind of lower, uh, not as many major league experienced baseball players or hitters in, in this scenario. Um, and his are not that high. Now he, he also relies a bit much on fly ball rate. Um, I, like in Winston-Salem, over 50% of his of the batted balls were in the air. That's not fantastic if you want to pitch in the majors in this day and age with the kind of swings they have and the power that even like look at Tim Anderson, like a shortstop hitting 20 home runs all the time is not something that's like been around in Major League right. Baseball. It's more of a relatively sure. recent phenomenon. So it's just, I'm sure he, he I'm sure he's going to be one of those pitchers or let's hear how about this we'll compare him to jake peter like, like he just was always around always was like oh look he might actually be pretty good and then you kind of find out well okay now he gets to the majors or triple a for a bit longer and now it's like oh okay well that's why it took forever for him to get up there um because if you look at your mean there was a clear reason why that he was taking so long it was because of his defense Mm-hmm. And we all knew that, and that's why it was taking forever to get it, for him to get up. For Varnell, he's doing awesome all the time, but he just doesn't have the stuff. And it's much harder for a pitcher to kind of uh, be good at pitching against kind of not experienced ball players, and then going up to the majors or in AAA when you see these like Tim Beckham's of the world, Nick Williams of the world, right. and they actually know how to hit. Um, and that's kind of when they fall apart. Mm. Um, so if he if he gets the AAA next season and then just keeps doing the same mm. things, then maybe I'll change my mind. But uh, he is not really on my radar yet. And of chance, anything of consequence. And chances are you're going to have to see something different in his in his stuff and actually what he's doing. It's not it's not just him continuing where he's at. There's going to be some kind yeah. of uptick that says, okay, wait, he's. I didn't expect it, but he's turning some kind of corner or he's, he's found another gear that he didn't indicate that he had. Yeah. So take one of his uh, new teammates, Connor Pilkington. So uh, two years ago, he kind of just had, I don't want to say it was an awful season, but it was really underwhelming, especially coming off his drafted year. And he was actually pitching well in Kannapolis beforehand, but then he got to Winston-Salem and just kind of was not great. The strikeouts are up. Uh, walks are down a bit, kind of normal. Um, but what we're hearing from how he's pitching in Birmingham is that his uh, fastball is actually up a tick or two. So if Taylor Varnell is, I think he's in low mid nineties right now, if that goes up even just one, one and a half on average, uh, that means he's actually improving, putting in work, finding out new stuff. Cause uh, like he obviously wasn't like highly, highly regarded coming out of college either. Uh, unlike uh, Connor Pilkington, who will get any amount of leash, even if he's not doing so hot. Um, It's just two different scenarios and he's not a lefty. So that always, that always hurts people with their, if they're not a lefty, that's why Connor Pilkington is usually in the back of everybody's mind, even if he's not doing so well. Unlike this year where he's actually doing decent. All right. Uh, we are going to have to break now because I got to feel this angry call from Dan Victor. I'm going to deal with that. And we're going to be back with the lower portion of our program, uh, beginning with uh, the Winston-Salem Dash. In just a moment, we will be right back in about a minute. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. And hey, we're back. Uh, it turned out to be a wrong number. Dan wasn't angry at all. Um, uh, or maybe he's, uh, actually he was typing furiously and he said, okay, I'm, yeah, I'm sending probably. Darren Black a message <laughs> about Taylor Varnell. How dare you? Okay, let's continue a theme, Darren, as we move into uh, single A. And Luis Corbello is our MVP. He started out really hot, sort of cooled. Mm-hmm. Seems like he's heating up again. This is a guy who uh, ended up in 2019. He was demoted, I believe, to Great Falls. He really, really mm-hmm. struggled. Yeah. He seems like, at least hitting-wise, he's, he's turned the corner a little bit. Again, sort of same question here, uh, although obviously d- different um, situation, different age than Taylor Varnell. But what does Luis Corbello have to show you at, at what he can do right now at high A uh, to get him a little bit more on the prospect map in your mind, or is, is that a lost cause? I, I do not think Corbello is a lost cause just because of how much power he has. Uh, like we were always waiting for the power. Well, I say always like he's been around forever. <laughs> he has not been around forever, uh, but we've been waiting for the power to kind of show more often. And it, the, though he is a bit older for the, for the high A level, uh, he's actually really showing it and he's, been showing it throughout the season like when he whenever he still kind of struggles right uh that's because he's not really just getting the singles or the doubles that we're also looking for too i think his obp is actually under 330 percent which isn't fantastic but you know javi Baez is kind of that type of player who relies a ton on power to help his offensive numbers and then kind of is not so great at everything else like Carbello strikes out over 30 percent of the time he also doesn't walk that often um, I mean, if he fixes that a bit, like even mm-hmm. if he gets his walk rate, it's about five-ish right now. If he gets it up to seven, eight, um, I'm not expecting that. But if he did that, that'd be fantastic. And maybe cut down the strikeouts the same percentage-wise, maybe three, get down to the high 20s. Um, then you could kind of see him take off. But the power is what we've really been missing from him. And now he's actually showing it like consistently and not just three weeks, oh, I'm actually hitting the ball well. And then maybe he doesn't really do anything for another month. He's actually kind of hitting home runs all the time. He's got 15 right now, Mm -hmm. uh, three of which came last week. Uh, But he's really uh, turning in on the ball more often. He's pulling about 60% of those batted balls, which is where the power is coming from. So he's actually getting his hips around things. Uh, So that shows me that he's a different ball player than he was in 2019. Uh, That doesn't mean he's going to be in the majors anytime soon, but Mm -hmm. that just means that he's actually improving – and so uh, the cuts probably are coming soon from the 2021 draft class. If he was still playing like he was in 2019, he'd probably be one of those cuts. Uh, now he's definitely not going to be one of those cuts. Let me turn that around then and say with some of these guys beginning to flood the system, there's going to be a, a bit of a wave. As you say, there's going to just be some outright cuts, but there presumably would be some promotion. Uh, do the White Sox, given the circumstance where he needed to be pushed back before uh, is he, would he be under consideration at all uh, in getting to Birmingham uh, the latter part of this year? Yeah, he should definitely probably get to Birmingham at some point because that's kind of where the power kind of stops. And it'd be great to see him in, a, in an area that um, 
it, I mean, Winston-Salem is not like Charlotte where everything just goes off the bat, even if they're like blue fly balls will become homers sometimes. But he's just uh, kind of like the Yolbert Sanchez. You just want to see him go against better pitching. Um, and Yolbert did pretty well last week. Yeah. Uh, and I want to see Luis Corbello kind of do the same thing. Because uh, take Gavin Sheets, he, when he went up from yeah. Winston-Salem to Birmingham, the power went down. Mm-hmm. But he just kept yeah. getting doubles, getting doubles. Yep. I just kind of want to see Luis Curbelo. Like, sure, like maybe his uh, 275 ISO goes down to 216. But if uh, I don't know the amount of doubles he has, but let's say he just has 10 doubles, 15 homers. If that flip flops uh, uh, to 15 doubles, 10 homers just because of the ballpark, right. then that's completely fine. Right. Um, but whenever you can kind of get him in a more age appropriate league, uh, that'd be good too. And plus, this is the year to be hitting in Birmingham because apparently nobody yeah. on the Barons have, has, has yeah. gotten a memo that you're not supposed to hit there because they're the one the 2019 team. MLB ball. They're just matching the hell of the ball. So this is the year yeah. you want to get to Birmingham. Uh, okay, what will be a great win for Luis when he, when he does get pushed up to Birmingham will be uh, probably a loss for our beloved photographer, Tiffany Wins at Canapolis, yeah. who I believe is by far her, her, her favorite player to photograph, but I'm sure she's going to be excited to see him move up the uh, the system when the time comes. Okay, let's go Luis to Luis. Let's go, let's talk about a guy who sort of w- went through this year to a degree what Corbello did in 2019 and getting into motion. Uh, granted, Luis Mieses had a very, uh, I guess, or a somewhat aggressive assignment to high A. He got pushed down to low A and pretty much from that moment, uh, something flipped and he's gone bananas. He's hitting really almost on the level of Jose Rodriguez, which is no poor company. And Brian Ramos, yeah. not, not bad company there with the cannonballers. Um, what's he done? And again, does, is, does he, do the White Sox risk pushing him back up, um, you know, and maybe risk the, the, the same uh, struggles? Uh, has he earned his way back up to high A? Uh, but, but what's he done to correct himself at Canapolis? Yeah, so I'm sure we'll talk about uh, more of this later with the draft picks and draft picks and where they might be placed because that is a mystery to me with one less uh, rookie team. Right. Uh, but so what my ACES has done, obviously uh, the pitching is not as good, um, but my ACES has never had any really good stint hitting yet. He's always been kind of yeah. uh, like the older type of White Sox prospect where there's like, oh, tools, tools, tools. Right. Let's see if we can put it together. And they usually didn't, but here's Luis Maeses finally trying to put something together. Um, he, so in Winston-Salem, his strikeout rate just kind of ballooned up. Um, obviously coming from no season, um, and it seems mm-hmm. like a ton of uh, younger players just really struggled out of the gate. Yeah. Some of them corrected the ships. Some of them have not, unfortunately, for this trade deadline. Um, <laughs> but he, his walk rate, he's, he doesn't, he's not a guy that's going to walk a ton, but it has gone up. But what has gone straight back down to what would be a career best is the strikeout rate. It's gone down at least 11%. And that when something happens like that, whether it goes down or up that much, it's sure some of it is because of the talent that he's facing, but I, you can say that it, it accounts for half of that. That still means that he's actually seeing the ball much better the other half instead of uh, anything else that he's doing. Um, he's also just hitting the ball better. Like he's pulling the ball a bit more. He's actually hitting it out a bit more. Uh, the power is kind of showing. Um, and even these past two weeks, he has the same amount of walks as he does strikeouts. 
which I don't, I should have looked this up before, but I don't even think he's ever done that before. Uh, just had the same amount at uh, at both pretty healthy rates. It's not like it's just one walk yeah. and one strikeout. Well, one strikeout over two weeks would be pretty good. <laughs> but the one walk would not be. But yeah, he's, I mean, he's doing much better than Benjamin Bailey, who also got sent down. Yeah. So it doesn't always work out like that. Once you get sent down, even Luis Carbello, he, I don't even think he actually did better when he got sent down. It kind of demoralized no. him. But he took it and ran with it. Luis Maeses, and now he's looking like he's putting some tools together. A relative, a relatively small sample. That's all we got to work with. We can only work with what's in front of yeah. us. You, you know that better than anybody, Darren. But is this enough, given that this isn't just his response to the demotion, but really, as you're saying, some of the first time you've seen him put together, you know, sort of combine tools with actual production. Is this enough for you to think, okay, again, with sort of like a caveat, but all right, I, I think this you know, this guy can be on a climb. This guy can be on a move because of how he's correct himself. I guess you need that confirmation, at least him getting to Winston-Salem and mm-hmm. doing better. But at least this gives you the optimism to say, okay, maybe the light's gone on. Yeah. With So I don't know how this uh, organizational roster crunch is going to work at all, but any of the other outfielders in uh, Kannapolis right now, I don't think should be called up whatsoever. Um, Chase Krogman is probably the next best one, but he has this problem where he will go through two weeks and have say like 13 at bats and strike out in 10 of them. And like maybe the other three at bats, they're three homers. Like that's just kind of what's happening right right now with him. Uh, My ace is actually taking uh, improvements from whatever he learned in his terrible time in Winston-Salem and just kind of going through everything he is in Kannapolis and actually improving on what he did. Um, I, again, I, no one in the ACL probably deserves the promotion either, but you can kind of fiddle with that and kind of, mm-hmm. uh, see where people need to go with your new college draftees. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just, it, it's going to be weird without great balls. And I don't know, like for the high school guys, do they even play this year? Do they just right. kind of keep them in the backfield? Um, like I have, I have no idea. Uh, I don't know what this new MILB, what they're going to do. Um, but I, there are, are a few people in Kannapolis I wish do get promoted. Jose Rodriguez obviously being one, and Maeses would definitely be another guy. I hope gets a chance to prove it again in Winston-Salem. All right. Before we talk a little bit about the 2021 draft class, uh, hopefully this won't be too wordy an intro, but, but two thoughts here. And, and one you've acknowledged in some of your writing in the past week and even in this weekly update where there's a little bit of a uh, – uh, Rye commentary about the fact that really uh, the White Sox had the potential to have a number of trade chips uh, show up well enough in the minor league season to actually make this trade deadline a little bit more exciting than it may turn out to be. Uh, but that hasn't happened. Um, very few guys and, and, and maybe really only one or two have shown enough. And those guys, you might say, oh, God, don't trade them because they're the only guy on the team doing well. Don't trade Jose. Uh, but then uh, combine this with something I threw out uh, earlier to everybody, and that was the uh, yeah, for what it's worth, who cares? But the, uh, the the betting odds on where players in the majors will end up in terms of you know just what people think, and the White Sox registered with none of the seven most significant names. Now some of them, the White Sox wouldn't be uh, uh, in the bidding for anyhow, but not all of them. Uh, is this an indication? These two factors: the fact that the White Sox, well, really, what I'm saying, what I'm asking is. The White Sox just don't really have chips to make a significant deal, even as much as you might 
raise an eyebrow at that return San Diego sent off to Pittsburgh uh, to get Adam Frazier. Uh, even that might be a big ask from this White Sox system. Um, even if you tried to gut it, it might still not be able to get you some of these guys that are are being talked about moving. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, I've, I've probably asked it, we've discussed it many different times on, on many different podcasts, but the expectation level of the White Sox fans, as much as we all want to roll our eyes and say, oh, well, you know, mm-hmm. he talked big and then nothing happened. You do have to have something in the pantry and there's there wasn't a lot if everything went as well yeah. as possible. And now there really isn't. There's like a can of, uh, of Jose Rodriguez. Um, wow. I, that, that might even be it. Uh, yeah. So uh, do we have to temper any expectation? Because there's just nothing to, to deal to these teams who are going to be looking in almost every case for young talent, probably even some prep talent um, to sort of re-energize their, their system. Yeah, um, I, I, I have seen some updates that Andrew Chafin from the Cubs have been traded, so I would love to see what kind of haul that got to kind of get the reliever market. But I when I when I see on the Southside Sox comments, like, yeah, like, let's just uh, trade Jake Berger for Craig Kimbrell. Like, that's where I'm like, okay, we need to pump the brakes on some things. Craig Kimbrell has a 0.5 ERA, um, and Jake Berger is fine and stuff, but he is – an older prospect and all that. And people usually want younger ones that aren't on the 40 man yet. So they can kind of keep their rebuild going. Um, And then when you look at uh, how the White Sox have kind of done their drafting and international signing lately, uh, like their international signings, Gilbert Sanchez, uh, Cespedes is this year, Norguevara is this year, uh, but they're all older international guys. Uh, Gilbert Sanchez is kind of a severe example of an older international guy, but he had more experience coming in. Um, and then when you, why a lot of people are more excited about this MLB draft class is because they actually went out and got mm-hmm. prep, prep players, like good prep players, uh, that, uh, with first, second, and then their, uh, fifth round pick that they okay. gave, uh, all went over pool with. Mm-hmm. So you just kind of have to keep in mind that they haven't really been drafting and signing international guys that would uh, kind of make it a wave of young guys coming up at the same time. Uh, they started doing that last year with Jared Kelly, but Jared Kelly also has not been doing well this year. Uh, you have Matthew Thompson and Andrew Dahlquist, kind of the same ilk, but they also have not done super well this year. So there's just a confluence of events of them not having the youngest farm system. And then also <laughs> all their guys in Kannapolis really haven't been doing well. So Matthew Thompson and Dahlquist did better last year or this past week, it's just there's a lot of things going on that they don't really have the best system for right now. Hey, And, of course, all the good ones are in MLB. Hey, and hey, Alec Hansen had a nice appearance and after he had a six-week yeah. break. So, man, everything's looking up. Yeah. Okay, Darren, th- uh, this is just too simple take. I'm a simple man. Uh, you, I'm a sledgehammer guy, and that, that probably doesn't benefit a clever analyst <laughs> like yourself. But, okay, tell me this then. We, you want to have, you want to have guys, right? You want to have players. You want to have chips, both to help your team. And on that um, note, the White Sox uh, have hit a real sweet spot because they've got, at least as of, you know, whatever a month ago or a few weeks ago, like the most number one picks of their own uh, on the major league roster, whatever. Okay. And that's great. No doubt about it. That's what you want. But when it comes to this idea of like, wow, some, some trade chips and that, don't you want more players 
why is, why is DSL KC1 playing DSL KC2 in the Dominican Republic and the White Sox are sitting around with one team and one team in Arizona? And I know that's yeah. just not a solution. Hey, Mort, and you're still subject to limitations. Like you can't just automatically sign twice the number of international players at big money, the top, the top guys, just because mm-hmm. you have more teams. I get that there's still some limitations, but isn't it? The more fields you're playing on, doesn't it just stand to reason you're going to find more guys and that gives you more yeah. a collateral to, 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 to work with? Yeah, I agree. I don't, know, I don't know if having an extra DSL team would do anything, but I think definitely having another Arizona Complex League team would do something. Because uh, you can make an argument, obviously, you don't want rookies to go to Montana and like hate baseball because they're playing in Montana or whatever. Because um, it's, sn- it's snowing on August 1st. <laughs> yeah. So they still keep people in Arizona. Now, maybe it's 115 degrees there, and some people don't like that. But it's just kind of – they should have two or, I guess, technically three rookie teams with the DSL. Um, obviously, DSL is a great environment for the international guys to kind of get their step in to the American professional baseball system as they kind of hang out with people that speak their language – um, and all that while they try to get into uh, whatever the Sox want them to get into. Um, and then they go to the Arizona Complex League and start learning how to do all the things over in America that they weren't probably doing in the Dominican Summer League. But it's just kind of what, what I hope they're going to start doing now is with the – they didn't sign like too many older guys this past uh, – international uh, bonus pool because it was also weird because of the pandemic. So it was a bit later, Um, but we're, I'm really hoping that this MLB draft class is kind of the start of them getting just a lot of younger guys into the system. So then they can have that Dodgers feel or that Padres feel or the Tampa Bay Rays feel of just someone's always there, always there, always there. And maybe you get lucky with Wander Franco who looks amazing. And then, or you get lucky with other guys like Julio Urias, who just came out of nowhere and was just awesome. It's just, they just need to keep going through this. And it changed recently. So they, it can't change just overnight. It's going to be a while before they actually have the steady growth in the system. Um, but I'm hoping it's starting now. Because if it's not, and they just kind of go back to, like, if they just take a bunch of older college guys next year, because they're like, okay, we got to win now, win now, win now. And I know Jerry Reinsdorf still plays a part in this and he's really wants to win another title. And so maybe that can happen, but I just hope they keep just take prep guys for the next five years in the first round. And then you'll just keep having this wave of really young guys coming up. Um, maybe not at the same time, like what just happened right now uh, with Robert Moncada, Gilito, all those guys, uh, but just have steady stream of just fantastic young guys all at once. Well, first, um, I know the international market might change too because right. there might be a draft. The CBA might change everything, and this mm-hmm. conversation won't matter anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's just a, a lot of things, and just hopefully this is the start. Well, first, uh, Sean Williams would tell you it's a dry heat, Darren. So it's dry heat, so it's all yeah, right. Uh, and there's yeah. more than what's one sandwich shop in the entire greater Phoenix area, so that's probably a good thing too. Uh, but and and one thing we're overlooking here, and even I'm overlooking when I'm just like more teams, and you know, it needs to be pointed out that even before this contraction, there were teams with two DSL, uh, there were yep. franchises with two DSL and two franchi- ACL, two AC, so ADL, <clears throat> ACLs, 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 ACLs. <laughs> um, 
Uh, but the, the missing piece of the puzzle is, of course, to be like the Dodgers in the race. You have to have people smart like the Dodgers yeah. and the Rays. And yeah. it's no diss on the White Sox. Again, look at the team. These are a lot of homegrown guys, and the teams are in first place in the Central and having a great year. So no diss here. However, uh, they're not there yet. And they haven't – I think what's worrisome and probably more worrisome for you, a guy whose bread and butter is – uh, sort of this minor study and a clown like me just sits back, wants to clap for the major league team and, and look at the fireworks. Uh, it doesn't matter as much, but uh, they haven't necessarily even demonstrated other than maybe this draft says a little something, an inclination to want to be that. It would certainly, I think would help by saying, Hey, we're going to have 40 guys playing games in Arizona instead of um, 25. And, you know, like a bunch of guys working out on backfields. Uh, but yeah, I guess we'll see. We'll see where that goes. Yeah. Uh, sorry for that tangent, but thought it probably was smart to talk a little bit trade deadline because this is probably the last time we're going to be talking on mm-hmm. the farm, at least for a podcast before the trade deadline. Uh, so let's talk quickly before we wind this up. And I'm just curious to know, I guess there's some obvious answers because the top guys and certainly the three preps, and it was really terrific that they got McDougal in the fold. That seemed to be the one the one guy you thought, oh, maybe not. He had a strong commitment to a, a from a great college program and you just wondered if the white Sox were going to give him the money to to wrench him away from that and, and they did well done uh but uh curious to know of the 20 guys and i think another five maybe uh drafted free mm-hmm. agents now um who's jumping out at you that you're most interested in seeing who maybe you realistically could see i know there's some guys who are probably going to just sort of get uh sandbagged and just hidden in, in arizona for the year but a guy you might mm-hmm. realistically see in arizona or even Kannapolis this year who, who's who's jumped out at yeah. you as most intriguing uh-huh. so uh first off i do want to say happy they didn't sign anybody to a thousand dollar bonus after oh. last week's conversation <laughs> that's pretty great didn't really want to deal with that with my team but um i again i it's it might be different for the first round pick and the second rounder uh, both high schoolers, uh, they might come in the ACL and actually play a decent amount. But I'm just going to pretend that they aren't going to play this often with, like, um, what, maybe 27, 30 games uh, or whatever they have left because the draft is a bit late. Um, so I, I'm going to go with the first college guy they picked. They gave him $300,000-ish over, over the bonus, Sean Burke. Um, the main reason is he's 6'6", 230, so that just looks – that would look awesome on the mound. I think that would be very scary, and I wouldn't <laughs> want to be in the batter's box against him, <laughs> which I hope is the case for everybody else that's actually playing. Um, but he's got a plus fastball. Um, it's mid-90s right now, uh, and you just kind of hope and assume that it goes up once he's in a major league ball or major league program, strength program, off-season program, all these programs to make your pitches better. Um, and he's also already got like plus breaking stuff. Um, I know in college, his uh, kind of downside, maybe why he split to the third round, even though MLB pipeline gave him a top 100 prospect or draft prospect uh, was the command. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I have noticed anything from paying attention to the minor league system this year with the really young guys, they all struggled with command, even if they were pretty good with it. Uh, coming into this season Um, I'm probably because of the pandemic probably because of not pitching all the time for a year and a half something like that Um, so I'm just gonna hope that the Sox just kind of figure that out pretty quickly Um, but he is a college guy Um, I don't think he took all of his eligibility um, which maybe was another 
reason why he kept falling because some people didn't want to pay him $900,000 or um, around there for his bonus. But that's kind of the guy that I'm most looking forward to and most expecting that he's actually going to be pitching out there. Um, I'm not sure if anybody is going to get to Kannapolis. Uh, maybe these like $10,000 bonus uh, relievers that they've got, um, like the, I can't remember his name, but they're the guy out of TCU, the last uh, round pick. I'm sure Brett knows it, but he, uh, it's, it's Halen, right? I think it's Halen. Yeah, Halen Green. Halen. There you go. My but buddy, he, my guy. Yeah, your guy. He could be a guy that I could see in Kannapolis um, and push out maybe an older reliever in Kannapolis that probably shouldn't be playing professional baseball any longer. Um, but for for the top guys, Sean Burke, definitely. And then obviously the high schoolers, if they actually play, that'd be fantastic. Uh, speaking of $1,000 bonuses, and good Lord, can you believe a guy who was a fifth or sixth round pick like the Northsiders did and gave him a $1,000 bonus? Yeah. God, man, it's like a punch in the Adam's apple. That's just nasty. Sorry. I mean, I call I call the Ivy Bumblers out on a lot, and probably some of it isn't fair, but that one is fair. That's nasty. Uh, I mean, the governor of Nebraska, that must not be a great salary or something. <laughs> yeah, it must not be. Good Lord. Uh, but uh, on that note, and, you know, I struggle with uh, committing too much uh, attention to this because, you know, after all, we want to get paid for our work. We're uh, underpaid here. And I know nobody wants to hear that either. So sorry to make you listen to that on the podcast after you had to <laughs> listen to a one minute ad in, in, in the middle of it. But we are trying to do a little bit more with AdoptAMinorLeaguer.com. Um, they sort of reached out to us. I think we've had some success in, in um, shoveling some attention to them. Uh, mm-hmm. Apparently, uh, an inordinate number of White Sox players are signing up to be sponsored through that site. Uh, so um, whether that has to do with us or not, or maybe it's just <laughs> the meals are really bad with the White Sox, I'm not sure. But uh, there has been a lot of, uh, they've uh, sort of overwhelmed the system. So it's something I'm trying to uh, put a little blurb at the uh, end of uh, some of our updates. Uh, it's something I'm shouting out here. It's something to check out if you're interested in reaching out and trying to help some of these guys who really aren't making, obviously, a livable wage. Is that any of our problems? No, I guess it isn't. I'm not making a livable wage either. Darren? well you know you've yeah. got you're juggling six seven no, jobs so hopefully one of wages them is, are but... funny things like they, they say it right in the name <laughs> living wages <laughs> and then you go man this is hard to live but yeah. uh particularly the... help you live yes and, and these guys obviously i mean we, you've read all the stories you've heard all the news and whether you move by it or not and if, if this is this isn't probably going to move you if you're not moved by it already but, uh, you know, if it is possible to shovel a little their way or at least give them some attention, maybe, I don't know, retweet something or just pay a little attention to their site uh, and don't be annoyed that we might be uh, uh, noting them a little bit more often because uh, they're doing good work and they've been doing it for, I think, at least a year now uh, through the through the pandemic uh, loss of season and so forth. So uh, that's something for people to check out uh, as well. And, yes, I, too, am proud that I don't think the White Sox necessarily went under 10 grand I, they might have gone a little Ten lower the which isn't great but it's five figures for being a professional major league player you think yeah it's kind of weird i mean i think i don't know if we like they don't about... have another choice of employment that's gonna give them that much money that quickly <sighs> so they just take it <laughs> yeah <laughs> living the dream of uh of eating burritos every night if they're lucky that's not uh if it's not dollar menu um okay 
uh, I guess that wraps things up. Uh, we will be back probably in a week talking about, I guess, maybe who the system lost, whether because of, of yeah. cuts from the draft guys or maybe a trade. I'm not holding my breath, but it's yeah. possible. Uh, but we will probably acknowledge some of that. And then, of course, who's doing well in the system and maybe who isn't. Uh, we'll do it again in a week. Uh, I'll call. If you pick up, we'll do it. huh? Yeah, yeah Monday night, I'll probably be here. Okay. Well, uh, it's a Monday night. You all, all you listeners and a few of you viewers and some of you readers get to share every week with us. And we appreciate that you do. Thank you, as always, for listening, reading, sometimes even watching. Uh, Darren, thanks for hopping on again. We will go back to the farm, whether you're, you're, you're hatted or, or hatless, we'll go back to the farm uh, starting next week. You game? Yep, I'm done. All right. Thanks, everybody. We will be back with you in a week.